Part five of Theaetetus by Plato, translated by Benjamin Joet. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Geoffrey Edwards. Socrates. Then, once more, what shall we say that knowledge is? For we are not going to lose heart as yet. Theaetetus. Certainly, I shall not lose heart if you do not. Socrates. What definition will be most consistent with our former views? Theaetetus. I cannot think of any but our old one, Socrates. Socrates. What was it? Theaetetus. Knowledge was said by us to be true opinion, and true opinion is surely unerring, and the results which follow from it are all noble and good. Socrates. He who led the way into the river, Theaetetus, said, the experiment will show. And perhaps, if we go forward in the search, we may stumble upon the thing which we are looking for. But if we stay where we are, nothing will come to light. Theaetetus. Very true. Let us go forward and try. Socrates. The trail soon comes to an end, for a whole profession is against us. Theaetetus. How is that? And what profession do you mean? Socrates the profession of the great wise ones who are called orators and lawyers, for these persuade men by their art and make them think whatever they like, but they do not teach them. Do you imagine that there are any teachers in the world so clever as to be able to convince others of the truth about acts of robbery or violence, of which they were not eyewitnesses, while a little water is flowing in the clepsydra? Theaetetus. Certainly not. They can only persuade them. Socrates. And would you not say that persuading them is making them have an opinion? Theaetetus. To be sure. Socrates. When, therefore, judges are justly persuaded about matters which you can know only by seeing them, and not in any other way, and when thus judging of them from report they attain a true opinion about them, they judge without knowledge, and yet are rightly persuaded if they have judged well. Theaetetus. Certainly. Socrates. And yet, O oh my friend, if true opinion in law courts and knowledge are the same, the perfect judge could not have judged rightly without knowledge, and therefore I must infer that they are not the same. Theaetetus. That is a distinction, Socrates, which I have heard made by someone else, but I had forgotten it. He said that true opinion combined with reason was knowledge, but that the opinion which had no reason was out of the sphere of knowledge, and that things of which there is no rational account are not knowable. Such was the singular expression which he used, and that things which have a reason or explanation are knowable. Socrates. Excellent. But then how did he distinguish between things which are and are not knowable? I wish that you would repeat to me what he said, and then I shall know whether you and I have heard the same tale. Theaetetus. I do not know whether I can recall it, but if another person would tell me, I think that I could follow him. Socrates. Let me give you then a dream in return for a dream. Methought that I too had a dream, and I heard in my dream that the primeval letters or elements out of which you and I and all other things are compounded have no reason or explanation. You can only name them but no predicate 
can be either affirmed or denied of them for in the one case existence in the other non-existence is already implied neither of which must be added if you mean to speak of this or that thing by itself alone it should not be called itself or that or each or alone or this or the like for these go about everywhere and are applied to all things but are distinct from them whereas if the first elements could be described and had a definition of their own they would be spoken of apart from all else but none of these primeval elements can be defined they can only be named for they have nothing but a name and the things which are compounded of them as they are complex are expressed by a combination of names for the combination of names is the essence of a definition thus then the elements or letters are only objects of perception and cannot be defined or known but the syllables or combinations of them are known and expressed and are apprehended by true opinion when therefore any one forms the true opinion of anything without rational explanation you may say that his mind is truly exercised but has no knowledge for he who cannot give and receive a reason for a thing has no knowledge of that thing but when he adds rational explanation then he is perfected in knowledge and may be all that i have been denying of him was that the form in which the dream appeared to you theaetetus precisely socrates and you allow and maintain that true opinion combined with definition or rational explanation is knowledge theaetetus exactly socrates then may we assume theaetetus that to-day and in this casual manner we have found a truth which in former times many wise men have grown old and have not found theaetetus at any rate socrates i am satisfied with the present statement socrates which is probably correct for how can there be knowledge apart from definition and true opinion and yet there is one point in what has been said which does not quite satisfy me theaetetus what was it socrates what might seem to be the most ingenious notion of all that the elements or letters are unknown but the combination or syllables known theaetetus and was that wrong socrates we shall soon know for we have as hostages the instances which the author of the argument himself used theaetetus what hostages socrates the letters which are the elements and the syllables which are the combinations he reasoned did he not from the letters of the alphabet theaetetus yes he did socrates let us take them and put them to the test or rather test ourselves what was the way in which we learned letters and first of all are we right in saying that syllables have a definition but that letters have no definition theaetetus i think so socrates i think so too for suppose that some one asks you to spell the first syllable of my name theaetetus he says what is saw theaetetus i should reply s and o socrates that is the definition which you would give of the syllable theaetetus i should socrates i wish that you would give me a similar definition of the s theaetetus but how can any one socrates tell the elements of an element i can only reply that s is a consonant a mere noise as of the tongue hissing 
and most other letters, again, are neither vowel sounds nor noises. Thus, letters may be most truly said to be undefined, for even the most distinct of them, which are the seven vowels, have a sound only, but no definition at all. Socrates. Then I suppose, my friend, that we have been so far right in our idea about knowledge? Thetatus. Yes, I think that we have. Socrates. Well, but have we been right in maintaining that the syllables can be known, but not the letters? Thetatus. I think so. Socrates. And do we mean by a syllable two letters, or, if there are more, all of them, or a single idea which arises out of the combination of them? Thetatus. I should say that we mean all the letters. Socrates. Take the case of the two letters, S and O, which form the first syllable of my own name. Must not he who knows the syllable know both of them? Thetatus. Certainly. Socrates. He knows, that is, the S and O? Thetatus. Yes. Socrates. But can he be ignorant of either singly, and yet know both together? Thetatus. Such a supposition, Socrates, is monstrous and unmeaning. Socrates. But if he cannot know both without knowing each, then, if he is ever to know the syllable, he must know the letters first, and thus the fine theory has again taken wings and departed. Thetatus. Yes, with wonderful celerity. Socrates. Yes, we did not keep watch properly. Perhaps we ought to have maintained that a syllable is not the letters, but rather one single idea framed out of them, having a separate form distinct from them. Thetatus. Very true, and a more likely notion than the other. Socrates. Take care, let us not be cowards and betray a great and imposing theory. Thetatus. No, indeed. Socrates. Let us assume, then, as we now say, that the syllable is a simple form arising out of the several combinations of harmonious elements, of letters, or of any other elements. Thetatus. Very good. Socrates. And it must have no parts? Thetatus. Why? Socrates. Because that which has parts must be a whole of all the parts. Or would you say that a whole although formed out of the parts, is a single notion different from all the parts? Thetatus. I should. Socrates. And would you say that all and the whole are the same or different? Thetatus. I am not certain, but as you like me to answer at once, I shall hazard the reply that they are different. Socrates. I approve of your readiness, Thetatus, but I must take time to think whether I equally approve of your answer. Thetatus. Yes, the answer is the point. Socrates. According to this new view, the whole is supposed to differ from all? Thetatus. Yes. Socrates. Well, but is there any difference between all, in the plural, and the all, in the singular? Take the case of number. When we say one, two, three, four, five, six, or when we say twice three, or three times two, or four and two, or three and two and one, are we speaking of the same, or of different numbers? Thetatus, of the same. Socrates, that is, of six? 
Theaetetus? Yes. Socrates. And in each form of expression we spoke of all the six? Theaetetus. True. Socrates. Again, in speaking of all, in the plural, is there not one thing which we express? Theaetetus. Of course there is. Socrates. And that is six? Theaetetus. Yes. Socrates. Then, in predicating the word all, of things measured by number, we predicate at the same time a singular and a plural? Theaetetus. Clearly we do. Socrates. Again, the number of the acre and the acre are the same, are they not? Theaetetus. Yes. Socrates. And the number of the stadium in like manner is the stadium? Theaetetus. Yes. Socrates. And the army is the number of the army? And in all similar cases, the entire number of anything is the entire thing? Theaetetus. True. Socrates. And the number of each is the parts of each? Theaetetus. Exactly. Socrates. Then, as many things as have parts are made up of parts? Theaetetus. Clearly. Socrates. But all the parts are admitted to be the all, if the entire number is the all? Theaetetus. True. Socrates. Then the whole is not made up of parts, for it would be the all, if consisting of all the parts? Theaetetus. That is the inference. Socrates. But is a part a part of anything but the whole? Theaetetus. Yes, of the all. Socrates. You make a valiant defense, Theaetetus, and yet is not the all that of which nothing is wanting? Theaetetus. Certainly. Socrates. And is not a whole likewise that from which nothing is absent? But that from which anything is absent is neither a whole nor all. If wanting in anything, both equally lose their entirety of nature. Theaetetus. I now think that there is no difference between a whole and all. Socrates. But were we not saying that when a thing has parts, all the parts will be a whole and all? Theaetetus. Certainly. Socrates. Then, as I was saying before, must not the alternative be that either the syllable is not the letters, and then the letters are not parts of the syllable, or that the syllable will be the same with the letters, and will therefore be equally known with them? Theaetetus. You are right. Socrates. And in order to avoid this, we suppose it to be different from them? Theaetetus. Yes. Socrates. But if letters are not parts of syllables, can you tell me of any other parts of syllables which are not letters? Theaetetus. No, indeed, Socrates, for if I admit the existence of parts in a syllable, it would be ridiculous in me to give up letters and seek for other parts. Socrates. Quite true, Theaetetus, and therefore, according to our present view, a syllable must surely be some indivisible form? Theaetetus. True. Socrates. But do you remember, my friend, that only a little while ago we admitted and approved the statement that of the first elements out of which all other things are compounded, there could be no definition, because each of them, when taken by itself, is uncompounded. Nor can one rightly attribute to them the words being, or this, because they are alien and inappropriate words, and for this reason the letters or elements were indefinable and unknown? Theaetetus. 
I remember. Socrates. And is not this also the reason why they are simple and indivisible? I can see no other. Theaetetus. No other reason can be given. Socrates. Then is not the syllable in the same case as the elements or letters, if it has no parts, and is one form? Theaetetus. To be sure. Socrates. If, then, a syllable is a whole, and has many parts or letters, the letters, as well as the syllable, must be intelligible and expressible, since all the parts are acknowledged to be the same as the whole? Theaetetus. True. Socrates. But if it be one and indivisible, then the syllables and the letters are alike undefined and unknown, and for the same reason? Theaetetus. I cannot deny that. Socrates. We cannot therefore agree in the opinion of him who says that the syllable can be known and expressed, but not the letters? Theaetetus. Certainly not, if we may trust the argument. Socrates. Well, but will you not be equally inclined to disagree with him when you remember your own experience in learning to read? Theaetetus. What experience? Socrates. Why, that in learning you were kept trying to distinguish the separate letters, both by the eye and by the ear, in order that, when you heard them spoken or saw them written, you might not be confused by their position. Theaetetus. Very true. Socrates. And is the education of the harp player complete, unless he can tell what string answers to a particular note? The notes, as everyone would allow, are the elements or letters of music? Theaetetus. Exactly. Socrates. Then, if we argue from the letters and syllables which we know to other simples and compounds, we shall say that the letters or simple elements as a class are much more certainly known than the syllables, and much more indispensable to a perfect knowledge of any subject. And if someone says that the syllable is known and the letter unknown, we shall consider that either intentionally or unintentionally he is talking nonsense? Theaetetus. Exactly. Socrates. And there might be given other proofs of this belief, if I am not mistaken. But do not let us, in looking for them, lose sight of the question before us, which is the meaning of the statement that right opinion, with rational definition or explanation, is the most perfect form of knowledge. Theaetetus. We must not. Socrates. Well, and what is the meaning of the term explanation? I think that we have a choice of three meanings. Theaetetus. What are they? Socrates. In the first place, the meaning may be manifesting one's thought by the voice with verbs and nouns, imaging an opinion in the stream which flows from the lips, as in a mirror or water. Does not explanation appear to be of this nature? Theaetetus. Certainly, he who so manifests his thought is said to explain himself. Socrates. And every one who is not born deaf or dumb is able sooner or later to manifest what he thinks of anything. And if so, all those who have a right opinion about anything will also have right explanation. Nor will right opinion be anywhere found to exist apart from knowledge. Theaetetus. True. Socrates. Let us not, therefore, hastily charge him who gave this account of knowledge with uttering an unmeaning word, for perhaps he only intended to say that when a person was asked what was the nature of anything, 
he should be able to answer his questioner by giving the elements of the thing. Theaetetus. As, for example, Socrates? Socrates. As, for example, when Hesiod says that a wagon is made up of a hundred planks. Now, neither you nor I could describe all of them individually. But if anyone asked what is a wagon, we should be content to answer that a wagon consists of wheels, axle, body, rims, yoke. Theaetetus. Certainly. Socrates. And our opponent will probably laugh at us, just as he would if we professed to be grammarians, and to give a grammatical account of the name of Theaetetus, and yet could only tell the syllables and not the letters of your name. That would be true opinion and not knowledge, for knowledge, as has been already remarked, is not attained until, combined with true opinion, there is an enumeration of the elements out of which anything is composed. Theaetetus. Yes. Socrates. In the same general way we might also have true opinion about a wagon, but he who can describe its essence by an enumeration of the hundred planks adds rational explanation to true opinion, and instead of opinion has art and knowledge of the nature of a wagon, in that he attains to the whole through the elements. Theaetetus. And do you not agree in that view, Socrates? Socrates. If you do, my friend, but I want to know first whether you admit the resolution of all things into their elements to be a rational explanation of them, and the consideration of them in syllables, or larger combinations of them to be irrational. Is this your view? Theaetetus. Precisely. Socrates. Well, and do you conceive that a man has knowledge of any element who at one time affirms, and at another time denies that element of something? or thinks that the same thing is composed of different elements at different times? Theaetetus. Assuredly not. Socrates. And do you not remember that in your case, and in that of others, this often occurred in the process of learning to read? Theaetetus. You mean that I mistook the letters and misspelt the syllables? Socrates. Yes. Theaetetus. To be sure, I perfectly remember, and I am very far from supposing that they who are in this condition have knowledge. Socrates. When a person, at the time of learning, writes the name of Theaetetus, and thinks that he ought to write, and does write, th and e, but again, meaning to write the name of Theodorus, thinks that he ought to write, and does write, t and e, can we suppose that he knows the first syllables of your two names? Theaetetus. We have already admitted that such a one has not yet attained knowledge. Socrates. And, in like manner, he may enumerate without knowing them the second and third and fourth syllables of your name? Theaetetus. He may. Socrates. And, in that case, when he knows the order of the letters and can write them out correctly, he has right opinion? Theaetetus. Clearly. Socrates. But, although we admit that he has right opinion, he will still be without knowledge? Theaetetus. Yes. Socrates. And yet, he will have explanation, as well as right opinion, for he knew the order of the letters when he wrote, and this we admit to be explanation? Theaetetus. True. Socrates. Then, my friend, there is such a thing as right opinion united with definition, or explanation, 
which does not as yet attain to the exactness of knowledge theaetetus it would seem so socrates and what we fancied to be a perfect definition of knowledge is a dream only but perhaps we had better not say so as yet for were there not three explanations of knowledge one of which must as we said be adopted by him who maintains knowledge to be true opinion combined with rational explanation and very likely there may be found some one who will not prefer this but the third theaetetus you are quite right there is still one remaining the first was the image or expression of the mind in speech the second which has just been mentioned is a way of reaching the whole by an enumeration of the elements but what is the third definition socrates there is further the popular notion of telling the mark or sign of difference which distinguishes the thing in question from all others theaetetus can you give me any example of such a definition socrates as for example in the case of the sun i think that you would be contented with the statement that the sun is the brightest of the heavenly bodies which revolve about the earth theaetetus certainly socrates understand why the reason is as i was just now saying that if you get at the difference and distinguishing characteristic of each thing then as many persons affirm you will get at the definition or explanation of it but while you lay hold only of the common and not of the characteristic notion you will only have the definition of those things to which this common quality belongs theaetetus i understand you and your account of definition is in my judgment correct socrates but he who having right opinion about anything can find out the difference which distinguishes it from other things will know that of which before he had only an opinion theaetetus yes that is what we are maintaining socrates nevertheless theaetetus on a nearer view i find myself quite disappointed the picture which at a distance was not so bad has now become altogether unintelligible theaetetus what do you mean socrates i will endeavour to explain i will suppose myself to have true opinion of you and if to this i add your definition then i have knowledge but if not opinion only theaetetus yes socrates the definition was assumed to be the interpretation of your difference theaetetus true socrates but when i had only opinion i had no conception of your distinguishing characteristics theaetetus i suppose not socrates then i must have conceived of some general or common nature which no more belonged to you than to another theaetetus true socrates tell me now how in that case could i have formed a judgment of you any more than of any one else suppose that i imagine theaetetus to be a man who has nose eyes and mouth and every other member complete how would that enable me to distinguish theaetetus from theodorus or from some outer barbarian theaetetus how could it socrates or if i had further conceived of you not only as having nose and eyes but as having a snub nose and prominent eyes should i have any more notion of you than of myself and others who resemble me theaetetus certainly not socrates 
surely i can have no conception of theaetetus until your snub-nosedness has left an impression on my mind different from the snub-nosedness of all others whom i have ever seen and until your other peculiarities have a like distinctness and so when i meet you to-morrow the right opinion will be recalled theaetetus most true socrates then right opinion implies the perception of differences theaetetus clearly socrates what then shall we say of adding reason or explanation to right opinion if the meaning is that we should form an opinion of the way in which something differs from another thing the proposal is ridiculous theaetetus how so socrates we are supposed to acquire a right opinion of the differences which distinguish one thing from another when we have already a right opinion of them and so we go round and round the revolution of the skittily or pestle or any other rotatory machine in the same circles is as nothing compared with such a requirement and we may be truly described as the blind directing the blind for to add those things which we already have in order that we may learn what we already think is like a soul utterly benighted theaetetus tell me what were you going to say just now when you asked the question socrates if my boy the argument in speaking of adding the definition had used the word to know and not merely have an opinion of the difference this which is the most promising of all the definitions of knowledge would have come to a pretty end for to know is surely to acquire knowledge theaetetus true socrates and so when the question is asked what is knowledge this fair argument will answer right opinion with knowledge knowledge that is of difference for this as the said argument maintains is adding the definition theaetetus that seems to be true socrates but how utterly foolish when we are asking what is knowledge that the reply should only be right opinion with knowledge of difference or of anything and so theaetetus knowledge is neither sensation nor true opinion nor yet definition and explanation accompanying and added to true opinion theaetetus i suppose not socrates and are you still in labour and travail my dear friend or have you brought all that you have to say about knowledge to the birth theaetetus i am sure socrates that you have elicited from me a good deal more than ever was in me socrates and does not my art show that you have brought forth wind and that the offspring of your brain are not worth bringing up theaetetus very true socrates but if theaetetus you should ever conceive afresh you will be all the better for the present investigation and if not you will be soberer and humbler and gentler to other men and will be too modest to fancy that you know what you do not know these are the limits of my art i can no further go nor do i know aught of the things which great and famous men know or have known in this or former ages the office of a midwife i like my mother have received from god she delivered women and i deliver men but they must be young and noble and fair and now i have to go to the porch of the king archon where i am to meet meletos and his indictment to-morrow morning theodorus i shall hope to see you again at this place 
End of Part 5 and End of Theaetetus by Plato Translated by Benjamin Joet Read by Geoffrey Edwards Proof listened by Lucretia Meta-coordinated by Joe Recording in memory of Mitchell Edwards